Good morning. It's good to be together. It's uh, it's strange to speak from up here because uh, normally I'm down there, but there's a lot of us today, so I get to be up here. Uh, and Sherry left me a breath mint. <laughs> she always has like two packs on her, so she'll be fine. Um, well, my name is Greg. I just realized my mic is doing something funky, but that's all right. My name is Greg. I'm on staff here at Harvest. I'm uh, the family ministries pastor. Um, and we're so glad you're here today. Uh, I know Sherry said welcome. Hopefully during the greeting time, like 20, 30 people shook your hand and, and said that we're happy that you're here today uh, to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, right? Like we get to celebrate Easter together. And uh, David Platt said, not, not the resuscitation of Jesus, not the reincarnation, but the resurrection of Jesus. He died the death of a criminal on the cross, taking on the wrath that, that we deserve for our sins against each other, for our sins against God. He was securely put in that tomb, guarded by the soldiers. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And here we are, 2,000 years later. We, we get to remember, we get to celebrate that Jesus is Lord over death and life, right? Amen. Yeah, we're not an amen church, but I heard some amens earlier. That's, that's what a big day this is for us. So maybe we'll become an amen church. Who knows? Um, all right. <laughs> you guys lead the way. Um, so today we're in, we're in John chapter 20. We've been in, uh, in the Exodus story, but, but we're pressing pause on Exodus today. Uh, today in, in, in John 20, we... Uh, we get to hear from the, the first eyewitnesses to the tomb, the first ones to realize that this was not business as usual, um, the first ones to realize that, that Jesus is Lord over death and life. Um, we're going to show you a video. It's called uh, Messiah. It's by a group uh, called The Bible Project. And uh, this video, um, whether you've been to church for, for decades or maybe this is your first Sunday, like this video starts really at the beginning of the, the story of Scripture and, and, and takes us up to the empty tomb. So let's watch this together. I'll help you uh, enjoy that video. It's, uh, like I said, from a group called The Bible Project. Their website's, I think it's jointhebibleproject.com. Um, and they have tons uh, of videos uh, that, that can really be helpful in understanding Scripture. Um, they, uh, they have a, an app, a reading app for your phone uh, with, a, with a plan that um, will take you through the whole Bible in just under a year's time. And it has a ton of these videos, um, some explaining uh, like the themes of a book or, or some uh, themes of, of Scripture like Messiah. Um, anyway, check them out. I think, I think they're really, really, really helpful. Um, so none of Jesus' followers thought that he was going to die the death of a criminal. Right? And certainly not now, not at this point in his life. They believed that he was the Messiah right, or, or the Christ. Those terms are really interchangeable, which it just means the anointed one. Um, they pictured Jesus establishing a, an earthly kingdom, right, like political power, may, maybe a, a military uprising. Um, and they were convinced that he, he would be the king they knew. That he was going to be the king. Uh, some of them were so sure of this that they, they even asked Jesus, like, hey, when you rise to power, when you're in glory, can, can I sit on your right? And, and can he sit on your left? Um, because they knew that, that this was the man that was going to deliver God's people. So Jesus dying on a cross didn't fit the plans that they had for Jesus. They were in total shock. Everything they'd come to believe and expect about Jesus was gone. 
And in a moment, everything had changed for them. A few years ago now, um, my friend Brett died in an accident. And I wasn't, I wasn't like right there next to him. I was a couple hundred yards down the river swimming. Um, and, and the details of that day are, are still so fresh for me. Um, it was hot. Like not smoking hot, but hot enough that, that swimming in the water felt so refreshing. And um, I was swimming against the current, um, just enjoying myself, laughing with some people around me. Um, and then after a while, uh, my friend uh, James and I, we were actually going to go check on Brett and some other people. Um, so we got, I got out of the water. I was climbing up the rocks. And, uh, and I found myself in a conversation with, uh, with this student, with this young woman. And, it, and I was so confused by it. Uh, like my, my head was so clouded. Uh, she was telling me something about two guys going in the water and not coming out. And I, I just couldn't, I could not wrap my mind around what she was saying. And, and finally, though, I, I knew she said we needed to call 911. So I got a phone. I'm trying to call 911. The, the cell service was absolutely terrible. Like it was so spotty. And I was just getting frustrated. Like I just wanted to get there and see what was going on. So I, I got, I think I got James to take over and, and he tried to get through 911 and eventually did. So I kept climbing the rocks and, and had to go like over these rocks and down kind of into this ravine to get back to the river. And, and I remember it, as I got closer, I, I've seen faces of, of people that, um, that I recognized. Um, but I didn't see the one face that I had, like, was looking for before I even knew there was a problem. Like I didn't, I didn't see Brett. I mean, it just it didn't make any sense. It, it was it was like it was like the situation was like this square thing trying to fit into a round hole, and I couldn't I couldn't wrap my my mind around Brett being in the water. Like even when I was told, it just didn't make sense because Brett, um, I mean he's a normal guy. It faults like everybody, but but physically like he was almost like a hero. I he 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 was so athletic. Like I I watched him jump off things and do things that were just absolutely incredible. So the the idea uh, of Brett drowning. Um, it, it it wasn't even possible to me. Um, no way did I believe that he was he was going to die that day. The first person we we come to in John 20 is Mary Magdalene, and uh, Mary's life was radically changed by Jesus. Her life was was full of despair. She was an outcast in society. She was hopeless. She was rejected. It, it was it, it was it was like her life was just clouded by darkness everywhere. And then Jesus came and, and he changed everything. He healed her. Like technically she was alive before, but now she actually had life when she met Jesus. She had purpose and for the first time she really fit into the world around her. Jesus Jesus had completely transformed her. And her response to Jesus was total devotion um, and, and appropriately so. But now suddenly her lifeline was arrested. And he's, he, he was in these, these secretive, like sketchy trials in the middle of the night at the religious leader's place. Eventually he's given over to, to like real governing officials. He, he's with Pilate and, and, and she was there. She witnessed this trial. And, and, and everything's going the wrong way. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. These accusations were false. Like certainly there's no way that Jesus would be convicted. No one could possibly sentence this man who had saved her life. No one could sentence him to death. And yet there she found herself at the foot of the cross, watching Jesus die next to two criminals. 
And that was Friday. Now here she is on Sunday. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Mary came to the tomb early. And I'm sure her heart was grieving, right? And she couldn't even do that because the body was gone. And the only possibility to her in her brain was that someone had taken Jesus' body. Even though Jesus multiple times had, had said, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to rise three days later. One of those was in Mark 8, 31. I think we'll have it on the screen. It says, and he began to teach them, this is Jesus, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. But, but that just did not add up to her. So she runs. She takes off to get Peter and John. Verse 3, so Peter went out with the other disciple. Okay, so time out right there. Um, John uh, wrote the book of the, the Gospel of John, and he refers to himself as things like the other disciple, right? And uh, earlier in verse 2, he said, the one whom Jesus loved. Um, so uh, the disciples are, are men like all other men. And if you don't know this about men, um, there's a couple of things. We are competitive. Um, we're kind of stupid. And then we get married and we get a little less stupid. Um, we give each other a hard time, right? So in college, I had four buddies. We were uh, labeled by a professor. We were, we were called the Posse, and we gladly took on that name. Um, and we, we were dumb <laughs> together. <laughs> uh, we, we competed over everything, right? Ping pong. Uh, we, we developed our own version of Monopoly. Um, we uh, golf, uh, eating pizza, like anything, right? Um, one day, freshman year, we're walking, um, I, I don't know, from class or to chapel or something, and suddenly one of my friends invented a new game that stayed with us for three years. He shoved a friend into a bush. <laughs> and we, we called it the bush treatment. And every time I walked near a bush for years, like I would tense up. <laughs> and I would think, I'm about to get pushed into a bush. And I'm the only one that that never happened to. Yeah, I don't know if that's something to be proud of or not. I was just that anxious. But uh, it stopped one day when one of our friends like got pretty hurt. So um, don't do bush treatments. Um, but man, guy, guy, we're, we're just dumb. <laughs> we love to get at each other. Uh, my friends and I, we talk trash. And then I got married and I tried to talk trash and that didn't go well. Um, so anyway, why am I telling you this? Verse 4. It says, both of them were running. Right? Verse 4, both of them were running, but the other disciple, a.k.a. John, outran Peter. So for 2,000 years now, John's headed over Peter. Like, dude, I am faster than you, and the whole kingdom will know it. So he outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. John doesn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. And went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Right, Something that grave robbers probably wouldn't do. They're probably not tidy. Um, verse 8, Then the other disciple 
who had reached the tomb first, lest you forget, also went in, and he saw, he saw and he believed, for as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. So there's, there's something really interesting there that John notes about himself. It, it says he saw, right, this empty tomb, the, 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 the cloths that, that Jesus' body was, was wrapped in were, were there, and Jesus' body was gone. It says he believed, and yet he didn't understand the scriptures, right? So um, I think this is an awesome reminder to us that, that belief in Jesus is a process, right? It's not like you download everything and then you're in. But so often, like, God reveals himself to you, and, and, and it's like this seed is planted, Right, and and you don't know maybe much, but but you're getting to know a little bit more, and and maybe you come to a church, or you've got a friend that's helping you work through scripture or whatever it is that that seed starts to take root and and, and it grows and grows, and you, you don't need to know everything about Jesus to follow him. Um, uh, Matt told me about a, a quote from a speaker at one of the Young Life camps. He said something along the lines of, With all I know of me, Jesus, I trust in all I know of you. And, and, and to some that might be really scary, but really marriage is a lot like that, right? Like we all have different comfortability levels when we get married about how much we need to know about our spouse. But, our spouse. but no, matter, no matter what, you can't know everything. There is no way, my wife could not know that two or three times a year I was going to laugh out loud in my sleep and wake her up, right? She couldn't know that. There, there are all kinds of things that Lindsay and I were still discovering about each other. So while John didn't fully understand what it meant that Jesus was, was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one, he thought, um, he thought he'd known what Jesus' purpose was, but his death and resurrection really messed everything up that he had thought. And, and now John, we see he's in process of believing, even though he's only starting to like piece things together. He's trusting that, that Jesus really is the one. Verse 10, then the disciples went back to their home. So John and Peter head back home. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb. Mary couldn't just go back home. It's like her life went back to square one before meeting Jesus, before Jesus had healed her. And, and I, I felt like that before, right? Like life is going so good. Everything seems to be right, and then boom, circumstances change. Like your whole life just got the wind knocked out of it. Maybe you feel all alone, even though you're surrounded by people who normally understand you and can comfort you. Like you're so stuck that, that you aren't even sure you're motivated to get free. Well, this is where Mary is. She's, she's hopeless, and, and this hopelessness is it's like this, this prison that's got her trapped, so much so that she couldn't see what John could see. Verse 12, And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. So how is it that Mary like, sees Jesus face to face, and, and yet she doesn't know it's him? 
there are different ideas, different theories. Some said maybe she couldn't see through her tears, like she was weeping that hard. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Uh, may, maybe maybe Jesus' resurrected body was like so different. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, I'm sure it was different. Um, but but we'll, we'll see later. Like he still he had the scars from from the nails, right? He had he had the the wound, the scar from the wound in his side. Like other others recognized him. Some say that maybe it was this like type of uh, like spiritual blindness that, that Jesus had not removed yet, and and we actually see that another time. So that that seems like that could be possible, or maybe her her mindset, like her paradigm, just didn't even allow for a resurrected Jesus, right? Like Jesus is dead, so this cannot be Jesus. Well, verse sixteen, Jesus said to her, Mary. She she turned to him and said, Naramic Rabbanai, which means teacher. So just with one word, he just says her name and everything changes, right? She goes from total despair and darkness to complete joy. You know, it's easy, it's easy to feel like Jesus is just gone, like he's not present. Like I've been there. Like life can look so absolutely bleak. Like it did that day that my friend died. In fact, sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that are they're so bad that really we label them as evil. And, and, and if there's something evil present, then how in the world could Jesus be there? It feels, feels like he has to be gone. And I, I get it. And my, my guess is a lot of us in this room get it. But you know, Jesus always comes back. And actually, the truth is, he never leaves. He's always right there with you. It seems like Jesus is nowhere to be found, right? Maybe it seems like like you've just been praying these prayers forever and Jesus isn't responding to you at all. And and, and you're, you wonder, you're convinced that he isn't there. But God tells us over and over again, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can't run away from me. I'm right here. I'm always going to be with you. I'm right with you. There, there's, a, there's a, I don't know if it's a great poem. It's a good poem, at least. It's called Footprints, Footprints in the Sand, maybe. A bunch of you probably know it. Um, and, and it's about Jesus like being there and actually carrying us the whole time. There's a counterpart to that poem called Butt Prints in the Sand. Um, and that might sound like sacrilegious or something, but it's actually really good. It teaches another good thing, so you should Google it. Um, but, but Mary had no idea. Like Jesus was, was right there before her. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, Mary didn't know Jesus was right there. Like she, she's talking face to face with Jesus, asking him, come on, if you've taken his body, just tell me, I'll go pick it up. She was so close and yet totally unaware. And if it feels like Jesus is far from you ever, like if it feels like he's, he, he's silent, he's not there, is it possible that you're like Mary and you just can't see that Jesus is there, that he's actually so close, like really it's comical? Well, she realizes, when Jesus says her name, she realizes it is him. And she must have lunged towards him or something. Because in verse 17, Jesus says, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father, and your Father, to my God, and your God. In other words, he's saying, I've got work to do. I'm back, but, but we've got stuff to do. In fact, I've got a job for you to go do. So in verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. 
and that he'd, he'd said all these things to her. So Mary's, Mary's our first eyewitness, and um, a lot of scholars actually take this as evidence that the gospel accounts are not fabricated because there's no way a Jewish author of the time would, would make up a story where, where God first appears to a woman. Like it, they just would not have done this. And I love that Jesus did this. I, I don't know why he did it. Some people think it's because, um, because she was so devoted to Christ and that he honored her um, by being the first to actually see him. Verse 19, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Thomas gets a, a really bad rap. Um, at some point he was labeled Doubting Thomas, which that's a bummer uh, of a nickname. Um, but you know what? Jesus never called him that. Like we're going to read in verse 26 here um, how Jesus met him and, and how Jesus is asking him, encouraging him, pleading with him, like, man, move from disbelief and, and believe in me. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and, and stood among them. I'm not going to get into it, but the doors are locked, right? This is the second time now, and Jesus is there now. And he says, peace be with you. Then he, he said to Thomas, he said, put your finger here. And see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Uh, there's a painting um, I think we have to show you, um, and it's uh, it's his uh, interpretation or his vision. Oh, we can't. Can you see that? You can't. Okay, good. I can't really see it from here, but I've seen it before. Um, it, it's his interpretation uh, of this. Thank you. Um, and uh, he, you can see it's. Like Jesus is like forcing his hand into the, the, the mark in his side. Like Jesus meets Thomas right in his, his doubts. Thomas today would be labeled a, a skeptic. We would say he is, he's not gull, gullible. Um, and I think healthy skepticism is, is a good thing. Um, I think sometimes that, that churches give off the impression that you just need to buy everything that, that the Bible says or that a pastor says or a teacher says. Um, man, following Jesus does not mean we shut off our minds. Uh, Jesus actually told us to love God by, by using the brain that, that he has given us. Um, and, and with that, like we're, we're supposed to let God um, be the transformer uh, of our perspective, of, of our thoughts, of our beliefs, of our values. First uh, Thessalonians 5.21 um, 
it's talking about prophecies, uh, and, it, and it says, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Luke 10, 27, Jesus told uh, his followers to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and all of your mind, right? Like, are you open to letting Jesus change what, what you think about him, or are you closed off? Like, could you be sitting face-to-face with Jesus, like looking at the scars, and not believe him, not let him change you? Uh, Are you open? uh, Like Thomas looked like he was closed, but when he was met with with the evidence, he was open. Um, I was closed off to something for most of my life. Um, I was closed off to dancing. Um, I cannot dance. Um, I love that other people can dance. The Burns family, Josh, there we go. (laughs) Dude can dance. And I'm jealous every time I see you dance. Um, uh, I went to a Bible college that had a rule about not dancing. That's not why I went there, but it was it was super appealing that I had a built-in excuse. Um, Lindsay and I, like, we didn't dance at our wedding. Like, and I don't think we even talked about it. So I don't know if she just knew. Hey, there's no way Greg's dancing. If, if we're getting married, there's no dancing. I don't know. But fast forward, Kathleen and Matt. At their wedding, there's going to be dancing. Matt didn't ever have to tell me that. I knew it was coming. Um, uh, Matt also knows my stance on dancing. Um, that I'm really happy for him that he wants to dance. Um, and he told the groomsmen, uh, I need you guys to dance at this certain point in, in, the, uh, in the reception, right, to get everybody dancing, which that was a lie. <laughs> everybody was going to dance, whether I danced or not. It didn't matter. But I bought into this deception. Um, so I put up a front and I was very clear with Matt, hey, I'll do anything for you. I'll clean your toilets. I'll do whatever you want. I'm not dancing for you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so day of the wedding comes and I've wrestled through this. He gave me a lot of like lead time to think. Um, and, and, and the groomsmen, we were getting together in the room and, and one of the groomsmen was like, yeah, we got to dance. And he's like excited. I'm like, um, and, and so there, I think they could tell like my apprehension and maybe another guy's. So, so like, Hey, let's do this like step to get, oh, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this step together. That was, was not dancing. <laughs> um, and we're practicing this step. And, and for a moment I was having like maybe fun, you'd call it. Um, and then like anxiety whoosh over my whole body. And I prayed. Like, that's how nervous I was. I'm like, Lord, help me. Um, And and then it was time. The wedding happened. We get to the reception. I'm feeling super anxious. And there's the moment where we're supposed to dance. And I went out, and I did it technically. (laughs) Like, music was going, and I was moving in ways that I was not comfortable. Um, But you know what? I, I actually... I actually had fun. Um, you could still say, like, I can't dance. Um, but, but I actually had a, a really good time, surprisingly, dancing. Um, and I couldn't believe that I'd been so closed off to it. In fact, I even felt like, like man, I, I think I've missed out. And, uh, and when it comes to Jesus, I don't want to miss out because I'm closed off. Where are you closed off to Jesus today? Like, what areas of your life have you, have you posted this, this no trespassing notice? Because we all do it. 
Every person in this room does that to Christ. Maybe it's everything in your life. You're like, no way am I going to buy into this story. Or, or maybe, maybe it's just certain areas of your life. You're saying, no, Jesus. Will you let Jesus change the way you think, what you believe, what you value, how you live? Like, I'm not asking, like, will you let me convince you? I'm asking, will you let Jesus actually transform how you see things, how you think about things. Thomas, he was skeptical. He may have doubted, but, but he wanted evidence. Um, and he was open. And Jesus said to him, move from disbelief to belief. So verse 28, Thomas answered to him, my Lord and my God. And some commentators uh, have written that Thomas's declaration is like the pinnacle uh, of, of the gospel story um, because he isn't just saying he believes that Jesus rose from the dead. But he proclaims that Jesus is in fact God and Lord. And he says it in this personal way, my Lord, my God. He confesses his deity. He says, Jesus, you are the authority in my life. You're the one, you're the one that tells me what is true. My allegiance is to you. I willingly place my life in your hands. My future is in your hands. My past is in your hands. Thomas believes that Jesus was Lord over death and life. And his confession is a real confession, a personal proclamation that his life was now in following Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? That, that's what Jesus asks of us. That's the requirement from God is that we believe. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, to Thomas, he said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas believed because he saw. Like he, he got to see Jesus. And you and I don't get that opportunity like Jesus did, like, like Mary did and the disciples did. Um, so Jesus pronounces this, this blessing over us because we, we just don't get to see him in the same manner. And yet, yet we're called to believe. First Peter 1.8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and, and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. John 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John wants the same thing for you today. He wants you to believe. Uh, it's interesting. In, in our country, um, there are a lot of people that claim Jesus, right? That say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Um, and, and yet, I think there are things that, that don't add up there. Um, there's a really sobering passage in, in Matthew 7. Um, uh, Jesus is he's talking about people uh, that, that are going to be standing before him one day in judgment. They've died, and, and they're standing before him. This is verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Uh, my four-year-old Hudson this week, out of nowhere, started saying, in the name of the Lord, like all the time. 
like passionately, right? And it could be, it could be about anything. Like he, one, he took a ball and he's like, I throw this ball in the name of the Lord, right? And he, I eat this ego in the name of the Lord, right? I, I, I'm, I open this door in the name of the Lord. Um, what we do, even in Jesus' name, does not save us. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith in him. It's not, it's not because of good things that we do and, and, and we earn salvation. Jesus says, there, there are going to be a ton of people that call me Lord with their lips. People that have done good things. People that go to church all the time. People that volunteer to sit in the nursery during the church service. People that, that come to the church work days. People that read their Bibles, but they don't know me as Lord. Like they haven't actually trusted me. They use all the right language, but the cry of their heart isn't my Lord, my God, like Thomas. There are probably people in, in every Jesus-following church that has ever existed that haven't really believed Jesus is Lord, that haven't really trusted him. And, and man, this, this is a passage that haunts me. Like I, I'm a... I sleep pretty well at night, um, but this is one of the things that can keep me awake because uh, I don't, I don't want you know some student in the youth group that I've led or 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 someone sitting in a church on a Sunday or a Bible study that I'm a part of to think that that they know Jesus as Lord and yet Jesus is going to say, Man, "I never knew you, like you never trusted in me." In John 20, we get to see the, the eyewitnesses. And when my friend Brett died, um, when everything had kind of dissipated and I finally came to grips with him being dead, uh, there were two guys I wanted to talk to that, that were right there, uh, Scott and Daniel. And actually, they, they both almost drowned themselves trying to save Brett and, and, and Caleb, this other young man that, that I didn't know. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk to Scott and Daniel. I talked to them individually. And I asked them every question I could. Like I, I, I soaked in every detail um, that I could. And, and in the end, like I, I could see what they actually saw. Like even as I tell you this now, like I, there's, I mean, it's like video clips in my head as if I was the one that, that saw what, what happened. Um, and, and this is what we get in John 20 from the eyewitnesses, right? Like we don't get to see Jesus like they did, but, but we get to see through, through, through this window um, uh, of what they saw. Um, the gospel is so that we can see and believe who Jesus is, that he did die for your sin and my sin, that he rose from the dead, defeated death, so that we could have life now, that we could move from this place of disbelief to belief. Um, so we're going to uh, we're going to sing uh, several songs together. The band can come up um, during the songs. There, there are going to be opportunities for a couple things to happen. Um, we have communion. Uh, we have three tables: one here and then one on each side. Um, and communion is is um, well, Jesus took the, the Passover meal, which was uh, an opportunity for for them to remember that God had delivered his people through the sacrifice of a spotless lamb, right? Sacrificed on their behalf, um, but it had always looked forward to what Jesus was going to do on the cross, that, that he was that spotless sacrifice 
um, that he, he traded his sinless life for our sinful life. Um, so the bread represents Jesus' body broken for us, and, and, and the cup with the grape juice in it represents his blood that was shed for us. So during the songs, you can come up. Um, and, and, and this is something for people that, that know Jesus. And, and if you decide right now, I want to know Jesus, like with all of I am, with all that I know of me, I, I want to trust in all I know of you, Jesus, then come, like be a part of this meal. Um, you take the bread, you, you dip it into the cup. Um, you can take, you can eat it right there if you want, or you can go back to your seats. That's fine. Uh, we encourage people to come w- with friends, family. Like y- you can do it alone if you want. That's totally fine. But but it's also great to do this in community because following Jesus is is a thing we actually do in community. Uh, we also have uh, a, a team of people up here to pray for you, and they, they even we we made them wear lanyards today that say prayer team. So there's like no confusion about who they are. They're sitting uh, over there and over there in the front row. If you want prayer for anything like if God's been tugging on your heart with anything whether it's something from today or or, or something else like maybe you're going through something so hard right now and you just can't see Jesus whatever you'd like prayer for uh, come up and, and we'd love to pray for you and we know that it can be intimidating to get up in the middle of church and and go to people for prayer that's why we're doing it during communion while everyone's going to be moving like people aren't going to know that, that that you're coming up and even if they do it actually doesn't matter but but we would love to to come and pray for you so so let's just take this time to uh to respond to christ uh through through the songs through communion through prayer